You can find out more on my Instagram at Quiet Fire Radio. Welcome back to Quiet Fire. You are here with Jeremy. Welcome to 2021 on the show. I appreciate you all joining me for another week. And um, I'm super thrilled to actually start the new year with uh, a guest from the other side of the globe, all the way from Belfast, the incredible Amy Montgomery. How are you? I am very well. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for having me on the show. It's great that we can do this in a time like this in the world that I can just uh, zip my voice across to you at the other side of the world. So that's super cool. Thanks for having me. Isn't it cool? Now I'm going to try something that's going to go horribly wrong, but uh, Kunisatortu, is that, is how do I say this? (laughs) Kunisatortu? Actually, um, Ireland is a, it's kind of split into two halves. I'm, maybe you're aware that like the north of Ireland is is like a separate country yeah. to uh, Northern Ireland, to, to down south. So Northern Ireland, generally, a lot of people grow up in Northern Ireland not speaking Irish Gaelic, um, and it's more widely spoken in, in the south of Ireland. It's very peculiar, I know, because the island is so tiny. <laughs> but there's, yeah, so actually I don't speak Irish, but it sounded a little bit, like a sentence that I've heard before. I, I was hoping it was just simply a Celtic greeting. A good friend of mine is, is Irish, but of course from Dublin, as you, as you pointed out there, I was hoping it was more of a all of Ireland thing. In any case, Amy, congratulations on your Intangible EP. It was, re- it was released around November last year. So we've all had a couple months to give it a listen. How has it been received so far? Yeah, it's been received amazingly. Obviously, there are differences in releasing music right now than what there were when you could go out and tour your music and and play it live because for me, that's one of my favourite elements of, of being an artist, of course, and I'm sure it's the same for a lot of other artists too. But yeah, the release has gone really well and it's it's been received really well, especially over in, in Australia, which I'm really happy about, you know, I've got some links on the EP to to Australia, like Intangible, the title track was actually mixed by Kieran Daniel, a producer over there. So yeah, no, it's nice. And I, I suppose a body of work continues to run its course. It doesn't stop just a couple of months after the release. So yeah, no, I'm really excited for what's happened and what is to come as well. There's, yeah, there's plenty of radio playing and um and other things with it so yeah it's cool it's interesting you brought up the australian connection now it was mixed by karen daniel as you mentioned and you guys got the opportunity to tour australia in 2019 to the dashford belford festival now i'm from sydney dashford is you know a couple hours from me but even i wasn't able to immediately tell you where exactly that was what was that experience like oh it was totally incredible i mean getting to come over to Australia as a whole was super awesome. I have never traveled so far in my life to play, <laughs> to play some shows. So that was a once in a lifetime so far opportunity. The festival was great. Um, it was out in the bushes, people would say. And yeah, no, it was great. The artist that we were touring with is called William Crichton. And I adore William's music, you know, so that, that made it all the better and all the easier. Um, we actually played in Sydney. Our last show was in Sydney. We played four or five, four or five dates um, along the East Coast. So 
yeah no it was it was amazing but I think next time I come out to Australia I want to be there for longer you know there wasn't enough time to get over my jet lag you know I remember um when we were in in Melbourne I was uh I was sleeping backstage while William Crichton and his band were were sound checking and they're a pretty loud band you know and I was out cold on the sofa you know from jet lag (laughs) how did you originally come across Karen Daniel the guy who ended up mixing your your EP? I think my my manager James um, has a lot of connections in Australia. He did a lot of work over there and so naturally has has connections and so he made the connection with Kieran Daniel um, and yeah I mean Kieran's worked with Greta Ray and um, a lot of other cool artists that are, are on Triple J and, and Double J and things at the minute and yeah it, it was just through my management and it was a new thing for me I, I had never brought my music to a different person to be mixed by a different person so it was a new step for me I didn't know how it was going to sound I didn't know yeah I mean it, the mixes is, is another part of the song it's so important in a song the mix um so when I got Intangible back, it sounded a little bit different to what I what I sent over to, to Kieran. But, you know, what I got back, I was so happy with. And I think that it started, uh, it kind of started a new Sonic chapter, I think, for me, in a way. Um, it was, it's very different from anything that I've released previously, I think. And yeah, I was just, I was really excited to, to start this new journey of, of sound, you know. I suppose you can reinvent yourself with your with your sound um, and it makes it a little bit easier when when you're adding in maybe like textures that you that weren't in there before you know with intangible it's it's the synth you know the the fluttering arpeggio synths in the in the verses and I've never really toyed with synths in the past in my music not like this before so I suppose it gives you a little bit of room to be a little bit more creative with you as an artist and you as your image as well. One of the other things that struck me about listening to the EP was how interesting of a choice it was to choose two live tracks to add to the EP. I couldn't help but feel that perhaps you're um, just a longing for the opportunity to play live again suggested for you that, you know, you needed to capture your songs in a different way on this EP. Yeah, that's right. I think... For me, as I said at the start, I mean, the live thing is so important to me and anybody who has been to one of my live shows will recognize that it's a huge and partial part of what I do as a musician. Um, actually, I've had, I've had a little bit of difficulty in the past of trying to capture my, the, the rawness and the energy in which I perform live into a recording. And I find that, I've always found that really difficult, you know, I love being in front of people and I love sharing the rawness of the moment, which isn't something that you get with the recording. So that's why I thought with the CP, it was really important to, to get a couple of live tracks on there just to, I suppose, just to give everybody a little taste of the live setting when, when we don't have it, you know? One of the other, the sort of signatures of your live show is I'm going to try my best to describe it as humanly possible, but there is a black line that sits under your eyes and across your face. I'd love for you to help both describe it and and explain the purpose of this black demarcation, I guess you'd call it, across your face during the live shows. I think of my paint as my war paint. For me, it's a 
it's a pretty important ritual that I do before I go on stage. I suppose it's me giving a part of myself to the audience and to everybody around me. But it's also, I suppose, mm, painting on my courage in a way, or um, it's like visible courage. With my war paint, I want to remind people that that they too are a warrior. And um, just because we go through things in life and maybe some experiences are more difficult than others, doesn't make you any less of a strong character. I think when I tell people what my war paint means and the next time they come to a show and they see it on my face, then they will realize, you know, the, the strength within them and, and the strength within me, but it's, it's about them as much as it is about me. I don't know if I've played a show so far without it on. Maybe it will come someday. But for now, I think it's a pretty nice ritual that I have, yeah. And the other thing that it sort of lends itself into, and I'm not sure really how to enter into this topic, but I'll try my best. I guess the introduction of your heritage and just considering the way that Irish folk music seems to have an influence on the way that you play music, I mean... At first listen, what you're playing is interesting pop music, but it seems to have a root in your own personal heritage in it. Would I be correct in that assumption? Yeah, totally. That's that's one of my favorite things to do with songwriting is to, I suppose, wrap a really deep meaning and um, a really deep reflection that I'm having lyrically and wrap that in um like yeah like pop pop rock um and i suppose you'll only find what i'm trying to say or or the hidden meaning in my lyrics and in my songs until you really listen to them like you say i find it really interesting to contrast beauty with pain in my music maybe that's an irish thing maybe that's a human thing i don't know but I've done that from the start, from the minute I picked up a guitar, I think. And um, whether it's channeling my my pain and, and beauty within me into this or whether it's it's something bigger or deeper rooted in, in my country, like you said, I don't know. But yeah, it's definitely a part of what I do. You're right. I think the best example of it is on the copy of Old Photographs, which is on this EP, which is the version that is on the EP is a live version. I think I'm... I'm going to assume that you released a, a studio edit at some stage in the past. Do you want to talk me a little bit through the meaning of that song exactly? Yeah. So just to start off with the version of it that's on this EP is yes, it's a live version, but we actually haven't released a studio version yet. And we sort of decided to do it the opposite way around this time. Um, with this track, I, we all thought that was very important to do so and um, we'll release the studio version in, in the future, um, maybe this year in 2021. Uh, Old Photographs is actually a song that I, a lot of people think that I, I'm, I'm closer to this song because they, they find the meaning of the, of the front cover in, in the song. Um, but I actually, I wrote this song with Michael Mormika, my drummer and producer. And yeah, it was sort of, it was sort of both of our, our lives and our experiences coming into this song. But old photographs can be, it's the little slice of nostalgia, I suppose. It's, uh, I think somebody once explained it as healthy nostalgia. And I thought that was a really beautiful way to describe it. I think with feeling nostalgic about a person 
or an experience, I think a lot of emotions can come with that. Whether those emotions be, you know, excited, driven, happy emotions or the opposite when they feel a little bit deeper or, or darker or um, heavier. Whatever they are, I think when you're presented with an emotion, you have the choice to do whatever you like with that emotion. And I suppose with old photographs, we wanted to invite people, you know, if you are feeling a certain way, we wanted to invite people to yeah, be open to the nostalgia and sort of transform the emotion that you feel when you do feel nostalgic into something yeah, into something transformative and something a little bit, a little bit better, I suppose. Not better, maybe that's the wrong word to use, but yeah, a little bit more reflective. And I suppose old photographs is about looking back, you know, and and reflecting on what you've had. But it's also about confidently looking forward again and and walking forth again. It's not, it's not being stuck in in the past, you know. I think you're totally right, and I don't want to dig my heels in too much on this point, but whilst there is the meaning of the song let's say for me when i listened to it on the ep i was like yeah that's great but then when i got to watch the video and i was entered into that video that you presented at queen's university and it's just desolate it feels to me almost like not only have you sort of you've taken the song but it feels like you've raised up some of the memories from the hallways of that university, let's say, I kind of, I kind of felt being in that building and that's why I got so attached to that song because the meaning was flipped on its head as soon as I watched the video as well. Is, is there more length to that set that you've done at Queen's University there? Do you want to tell me about, maybe even just about that building? Tell me about what, why you chose that, that, that location to shoot the video and, and a little bit about maybe that set. Yeah, I think we we had um, little choice of where to film and, and record this this track um, because it was in the height of the first lockdown over here. We knew that we wanted to go somewhere and perhaps somewhere with a grand piano, but it was very unknown to us where it was going to be. It was very difficult to get into any place at that time because everywhere was shut. Uh, we just so happened to have a lovely friend, Amanda, who works in Queen's University. And if you've ever seen pictures of Queen's University, it's a beautiful old, big old building. And we thought it would be so nice and so, it would have a lot of meaning behind it to do it at that time uh, during lockdown. Like you said, when when the building is empty and, you know, because even, even, in a normal time when lockdown wasn't happening, we wouldn't have been able to get into the Hardy room, in, into that room, because that room's always buzzing full of people, you know, you, we wouldn't have been able to do that. So we thought that would be a lovely juxtaposition to what would usually happen in in the university, you know, and you're so right about about it. It feels like I'm bringing up the memories of, of who would walk through the corridors and, and the memories in the walls. And that's exactly what it felt like when we did it. You know, there was all sorts of emotions because of because of lockdown, because of the song, because of my experiences. You know, that there was a lot going on that day, and yeah, it was it was beautiful. You know, there that was the only song that we recorded that day was the old photographs, and the the audio was recorded as well as the video. And I wore I wore a white dress to to represent purity in in the midst of sometimes hard nostalgia, hard reflection. You know, <laughs> I think there was that, but I mean, I and I hate to embarrass you if this is uh, wasn't intentional. But one of the first, one of the early, was, no, say a third through, there was these shots of 
the bottom third of your dress, which was stained. And I was like, this kind of, it kind of added to it. Like, I think that if everything was like crisp white, it kind of, I don't know, it wouldn't have worked, but it just, it, all of it just added together this beautiful old building and these just tiny stains you had on the bottom. Anyway, it's not a question. It's just a statement. (laughs) Um, Thank you for your uh, observation. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry. sorry. No, don't wash your dress next time. All of the songs on the EP have videos attached to them. I'm taking that you kind of want the listener to have this kind of double experience. It's just how I experienced it. I listened to it once in the pure audio form, which is sort of one experience. And then to listen again through all of the video seemed like a whole second experience. Can you tell me how you came to decide that? Yeah, I think there's a few reasons. One of the reasons is because it's my first sort of, my first commercial release um, as a body of work, you know. Um, and with that, I wanted, I, I suppose I just wanted to have a visual to, to each song because there are only five tracks on it. So I thought, why not have a video for each one? So that I suppose that's the more practical side of it. And I, the more creative um, point of view is that I just love to create a visual to, to my music. I think it's, it's a really important um, element for me. I think, yeah, it can take on a whole different meaning when, when you have a visual. And not that I want to, I don't want to put words in people's mouths or thoughts in people's heads about what the song is about because people can, you know, people can have their own interpretation of anything. But for me, it's a it's a really important part of, of creating music, creating art as a whole to sort of put it all together in a little package and give you the full package rather than just, just the audio package or just the visual package, you know. So in a way, I just felt like it was something that I, I had to do. Um, I really enjoyed making every video. It was a lot of fun. And I mean, every video again was created during lockdown. So I suppose with the limitations came extra creativity in a strange way. I think sometimes we humans think that uh, we need to have it all and we need to have it all available. And only that way will we create the best thing, but it's not always like that. And what I experienced during the, the making of all the videos is definitely without having without having everything open and without having access to a lot of people, a lot of, you know, a lot of crew or anything. Um, it turned into this really lovely and sort of out of my depth experience of, of making these almost DIY music videos that had a lot of, a lot of meaning in them. They're, I mean, especially the intangible video, maybe not everybody recognizes every every little thing that I, I put it in, I put into the video but there's very deep concepts woven woven through it you know the other part that I wanted to touch on and I mean I, I forgive me for going back on a point here but watching the live video that you did at Queen's University in that big desolate room the first thing that I thought of was that um right in the midst of corona in the lockdown uh your fellow countryman, the incredible Fontaine's DC did a live video inside of one of the famous prisons there in Belfast Fontaine's being one of the absolute Irish heroes of indie music across the globe in the last couple years. I would love if you could enlighten me on who are some of the other bands who are inspiring you on the local circuit that we've all been sleeping on that, you know, we should all grab and jump on and listen to. Yeah, that's a a great question for being at the other side of the world. (laughs) There's so much music here. Um, a few of my favorite bands um, from Belfast. Uh, there's a band called Jealous of the Birds. 
she is great. That's Naomi um, with her band around her. She's really, really awesome. There is another band called the Wood Burning Savages. They are like a sort of left field, sassy rock band and they're great. There's four or five of them. Um, there is the sort of more folk side of Ireland. Um, there's a great artist from, from here called Joshua Burnside. He's a fantastic folk artist. There's great dance music that comes from Ireland. Uh, a great artist called Amac. It's A-E space M-A-K. And she is just so, so quirky. And her dancing, you'll know what I mean when you have a listen to AMAC and more importantly, watch some of her videos, but she's super cool. There's, I mean, if you've ever heard of Maloko, they're one of the huge... Of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're a huge influence for me. And Roisin Murphy, of course, is amazing. There's great rap music coming out of Ireland now. Uh, one of my favorite rappers from here is Jordan Adetunji, and he is slowly climbing up the ladder. Um, he's got recently got a few really awesome plays on Radio 1, which is a big station over here in the UK. One of my favorite Irish bands is Republic of Loose, if you've ever heard of those guys. Republic of Loose. They are they're awesome, and you'll probably know a couple of their songs when you listen. But I mean, these are just a couple of the amazing artists and actually one artist that I would really like to mention also is Dea Matrona um, their name is spelled D-E-A space M-A-T-R-O-N-A and they're three girls that are bringing back 70s rock and roll and they are amazing guitar players they're all you know I think the drummer's 14 or 15 but they are so good. <laughs> so there's there's so many different things coming out of Ireland. You know, it's not just folk, it's not just rock. There's a whole eclectic mix on this little island and it's beautiful to be a part of it. I don't want to dig too far into it, but I mean, from our corner of the world, it's it's Belfast seems is portrayed on TV as still this kind of, you know, somewhat dangerous, scary place. Is that, is that, is that sort of... Is that sort of in the, the history of Belfast or is it still, uh, you know, is there still sort of gangs running wild? And I mean, tell me about it. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to make any guesses or assumptions. I'd love to, I'd love to hear. I mean, with your long list of really great, important, cultural, exciting musical things that tends to come from, you know, a town going through adversity, correct? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think Belfast now is becoming a is flourishing completely, you know, it's it's full of life now and it's it's full of of culture and it's full of love and it's full of music. But yeah, you're right, it uh, it comes from a a sort of I suppose a broken a broken history and that's by no means completely healed over yet and I hope to see it completely healed in in the time that I I live here, but yeah, when 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 you come from a, a country that has a slightly broken history, um, politically and um, yeah, um, it can it can create a, it can create a rawness in your music. I suppose that just coming back to that point of of what's present in my music and my songwriting, this rawness and this this vulnerability in in your songwriting or whatever art form you're you're bringing to the table, um, perhaps yeah, part of that comes from the the broken history or or whatever of of Northern Ireland of of Ireland, but I mean right now Belfast, especially before before lockdowns and things started to happen, 
Belfast was really starting to become a, a beautiful city again. And, you know, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not old enough to have experienced the, the full height of, of the troubles here in, in Northern Ireland. I can only imagine and, and take on um, information that I've been given from, from family and, and from people that I know that went through it. But what I do know is that everybody here is very excited and very relieved that Belfast and Northern Ireland is becoming a, a safe place and not only a safe place but somewhere where people feel safe enough to create and that's an important thing when that starts to happen you know that there's positive change on the way. That's an incredible response to my question I appreciate that thank you. You had the opportunity to already play a bunch of music festivals across across Europe as well. I believe you played Glastonbury as well a little while ago. What are your, um, you know, and, and, and I mean, feel free to answer this however you desire. What are your lofty ambitions for Amy Montgomery playing live throughout 2021? I think uh, 2021 is, is a little bit unknown to everybody, as was 2020, but that's okay. I mean, we can do what we can in terms of planning and and scheduling for for what we want and think will happen. Um, so my plans for live music in 2021. I've already got some shows rescheduled from last year or the yeah last year and some festivals rescheduled. Like this year, I'm going to be back at <clears throat> at Black Deer Festival over in Kent in England, um, and that's a a great festival. One of my favourite ones that I played last year. This year, I'll have the privilege of playing the same festival bill as Mr. Robert Plant. Hey, uh, hey. Zeppelin. Yes, I'm very excited about that. I tell everybody that <laughs> shamelessly. <laughs> and yeah, there's a there's a few different festivals. I I'm not sure about the how likely it is that big festivals like Glastonbury and things will happen this year. But I mean, if they do happen, of course, I would love to be there. I would love to be playing at them. But right now, I suppose we're focusing on rescheduled shows. And there's a lot of them because there was a lot of book shows for 2020. I have a couple of headline shows coming up in, in Belfast and in Dublin. And of course, I really hope to get it back over to Australia. Maybe this year, maybe next year. I don't know when that'll be. But I think I've, I've built up enough little strings and connections with Australia now that I feel like I'm ready to come back and I'm I just love to spend more time over there. I love Aussie people. I love, you know, I love the what they bring to, to gigs. And yeah, there's, there's so much I want to do, but there's so much uncertainty around plans. So I don't want to like dig, dig into plans that I don't know will definitely happen. There's no question that you, that style of that Irish, I don't want to say, I don't want to keep saying that you're an Irish folk singer because obviously that's incorrect, but the, Un- underpinnings of your cultural songwriting, let's call it, I definitely believe resonates incredibly well with the Australian audience because I think that we also have, obviously, we have a, a history of exactly yeah. such things. Yeah, for um, sure. Amy Montgomery, it's been a joy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for visiting Quiet Fire. Thank you very um, much. I'm going to take us out with a with the recording of your the title track of your EP, Intangible. Would you like to give me an introduction to that, please? Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Jeremy. This track is called Intangible. My name is Amy Montgomery. And this is a contemplative song wrapped in lovely poppy scents, and I will let you find the meaning yourselves.
Thank you so much, Amy. Have a great rest of the day. And um, I, I can't wait. I hope.